Welcome to the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question. Is your sleep making you tired? I'm your host, Tara Clancy. Join me each week for the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you banish counterfeit sleep and have more energy, increased productivity, and a reflection in the mirror you love. Go ahead and subscribe and you'll get each new episode as soon as it goes live. If your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you. The Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, Season 1, Episode 33. Today, we're talking about teens, suicide prevention, and sleep. Normally on the podcast, we talk about eye-opening solutions for common problems, and that's exactly what we're going to get into today. Teen mental health challenges and suicide have been a growing problem for some time now, and it has become an epidemic in and of itself as a result of the pandemic living conditions. So today, we're going to look at what's going on with our teens We'll explore the eye-opening role of sleep and counterfeit sleep in this epidemic, and we'll get into what you can do to keep the teens in your life safe and healthy. So what's going on? Well, if you look at the data, it's clear that our kids are struggling. For example, during the period from 2007 to 2018, the national suicide rate for 10 to 24-year-olds increased 57.4%, according to the CDC. That's a huge increase. Now, what puts you at risk for suicide? Having a psychiatric disorder, such as depression, an anxiety disorder, uh, or a bipolar disorder, or even oppositional defiant disorder, all of those things increase your risk of suicide. And really, is there anybody who doesn't know a kid who's been labeled with one of those disorders? And what's interesting to me is this new idea for these kids as they grow out of their teenage years and into adulthood. There's been such a challenge that we've needed to come up with a new name for what these kids are dealing with. It's actually called failure to launch syndrome. And failure to launch syndrome is not an official mental health diagnosis, but it 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 is a phenomenon. It's something that we're seeing, and it refers to those young adults who um, remain dependent on their parents after, you know, turning 18 years old. Um, they, they stay dependent rather than establishing a separate and independent life as self-sufficient adults. So when you start needing a new name for these kids that are getting older and supposed to be transitioning to adulthood, it's clear that there's a lot of stuff going on. You know, our kids and our teens have been struggling um, with mental health for some time now. So when you add in the stresses and strains of pandemic living, it really uh, affects things. 
So um, just think about these young people. Um, you know, they're, many of them are isolated and unable to socialize. And as a result, they're experiencing higher rates of anxiety and depression. And of course, this results in more incidents of teenagers taking their own lives. A CDC survey found that 75% of kids uh, aged 18 to 24 are struggling with a mental health issue or a drug problem um, during the year of 2020. And in fact, one in four young adults thought about killing themselves in the last 30 days based on this survey. And unbelievably, in some areas of the country, suicide rates increased by 67% in kids from the ages of 12 to 17 during the year of 2020. And those are just staggering, uh, you know, statistics um, and sad. And, uh, you know, another factor, and, and we'll get into this more in a moment, but if you think about this, this isolation and this inability to socialize because of lockdown conditions, what did kids turn to? What did we all turn to really um, to help us um, continue to stay connected? Our screens, right? And screens are a known disruption for sleep. Um, and, you know, what, what did kids have to do? They had to spend more time on their screens because of distant learning programs and, um, you know, turn to all their apps and FaceTime and, you know, TikTok and whatever else to try to remain some sense of connectedness. So the very thing that they were turning to, to try to help them with the isolation of the pandemic is further adding to the the problem, the mental health problems that they're dealing with that are then, uh, you know, leading to increases in suicide. So let's get into the role of sleep. But and we'll start with what happens during sleep. There are two main functions that happen when we get into sleep and we stay asleep as intended. Those two functions are repairing and recharging. The brain does its work when we get into the right stages of sleep and we stay there long enough and the brain does repair and recharge of itself and of the body. So when we don't get enough sleep, we'll start there. When we don't get enough sleep, we end up with challenges. Sometimes we may feel them in physical challenges of just being physically tired Sometimes we feel it as mental challenges and sometimes as emotional challenges. And there are even cases where you can feel it as all three. And if we think about why that would be, well, let's think about the brain as the command center of the body, because that's what it really is, right? It's a, the command center for the body and for our minds, for the, you know, the actual functioning of the brain. So if the commander is off, because it hasn't had enough time to repair and recharge itself, then every function after that is going to be affected. And when you have impaired functioning of the brain, which happens when you don't get enough sleep, then that results in impaired functioning, including impaired mental health functioning. 
let's take a look at a specific example. We'll, we'll, uh, let's pick anxiety because that's really popular now, um, really common now, especially during the pandemic. So if, if you think about anxiety and sleep, uh, what, what could happen? You're dealing with anxiety, you lay down to fall asleep, and you can have that racing mind experience that can prevent you from falling asleep which of course could interfere with you being able to get enough sleep. And then on the flip side of things, if you get up, you don't have enough sleep, you're going to be running on adrenaline or you're going to be relying on maybe coffee or some caffeine to keep you going. So what then happens when you try to go to sleep at night? You'll have this, you know, like overcharged kind of uh, experience in your body, which may then give you trouble falling asleep or even staying asleep. Uh, you know, that's like um, another form of insomnia where you cannot, where you wake up in the middle of the night and you're unable to fall asleep. Now, of course, um, what we're just talking about there, that, that insomnia that comes from anxiety, that's just one kind of sleep problem. Um, in, it, you know, it results in not getting enough hours of sleep. But as we talk about here on the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, not all sleep is created equally. So to bring it back to kids, even kids that are getting enough hours of sleep can still have a sleep problem. And in fact, anecdotal estimates are that as many as 90% of kids are dealing with counterfeit sleep. And the vast majority of the kids and their parents and doctors have no idea. Let's hear from Dr. Steve Carstensen on this. Dr. Steve of Premier Sleep Associates in Washington State is a consultant to the ADA, that's the American Dental Association. He's a consultant on sleep-related breathing disorders. He's also the co-author on a textbook for dentists on treating sleep-related breathing disorders. And he is a sought-after speaker in the sleep dental community. In fact, I first met Dr. Steve at the Greater New York Dental Conference back in 2017, where he was speaking about sleep-related breathing disorders. If we see these young kids that are showing some behavior problems, as you said, um, yeah. and, and let's say they don't unfortunately get an intervention and they're still continuing with overall breathing problems that are then, um, you know, following, um, sorry, uh, disrupting their sleep at night. How does that like sort of compound and, and how will we see that? What will happen in their teenage years if this continues to remain sure. untreated and, and progress? Well, uh, so a little kid isn't breathing well at nighttime. And so they don't get great rest and they go to school and they go to play with their friends and they have these social problems like behavior disorders or wetting the bed too long into their uh, kid life. And they can't get along. They can't um, you know, play well with their friends. They can't pay attention to school. They're fidgety. They get labels. They get social labels. And those social labels can cause psychologic patterns to develop that make the families and the teachers and the kids and the people around them say, oh, yeah, that's just Johnny. He's like that. And they go to the pediatrician desperate for some kind of help. And the pediatrician has a pattern that they recognize. The last 12 kids that she saw did the same thing. And her studies show and her clinical practice show that, well, if they give them these certain medications, they behave better. They do, the, the, the brain stimulants that they're passing out 
are there to help make sure those little brains are awake during the daytime because they're not rested at nighttime. So the pediatrician doing the best that she can for her little patients uh, applies the treatment that she knows works and these kids behave better and they can sit still in school and so isn't that better. But meanwhile, they're labeled, right? Because they still have to take a pill. And so that all that combines physiologic changes because they're not getting proper oxygen levels. They're not you know, getting a brain uh, um, um, sleep pattern is appropriate and psychological social labels like I was talking about. And they all converge in adolescence with the hormonal changes that confuse everybody in the first place. Mm. And so, you know, imagine how much healthier that teenager could be if they weren't saddled with social labels, if they weren't given a brain that wasn't allowed to uh, properly sleep a cycle for, dec- for you know, a decade at that point, or at least you know, eight, seven, eight years. And they had a, a circadian rhythm that matched what their social pressures were. You know, which picture sounds better to you, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's interesting that you mentioned with the labels. Because there's a relatively new label for teens who sort of fail in their transition to young adulthood. It's actually called failure to launch syndrome. Today's sponsor asks this important question. Have you done a mental health check today? Have you been feeling off? How long have you felt that way? Cindy Chosick is a speaker, ghostwriter, and author who connects the dots to the symptoms, solutions, and sound bites so we can help ourselves, our teams, and our loved ones. Learn more at GetSoConnected.com. A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R sleep.com. So what can we do in this time when we know that mental health is a challenge for so many people and that um, teen suicide has seen dramatic increases. Well, it comes down to two things, awareness and actions. So let's start with the awareness. The first thing to do is to check in with them. You know, teens are in a funny place to begin with because they're asserting their independence and sort of moving away from the family uh, to some degree. So your natural tendency may be to just give them space and leave them alone. But oftentimes what they really need is to know that they are supported and to know that, you know, that, that what they're feeling is kind of normal. So check in with them and and ask them, you know, how they're feeling and make it a normal conversation to talk about the struggles that, that most people are feeling now as a result of these extraordinary um, conditions that we're living under. So that's the first thing, just check in with them. Uh, make it a normal part of the conversation so that when they are feeling um, whatever struggles they may feel, they feel like they can go to you. Uh, And then the second thing is really along this idea of of noticing any changes in their habits. Um, You know, notice if they're eating more or eating less. Uh, Notice uh, how the hygiene is, if they're showering more 
or less. Uh, Notice how they are in terms of communicating with friends. Are they talking with friends more or less? Any kind of change for your child or your teen in particular um, may just tell you something about what they need. Um, So if you uh, notice those things, it'll be great. And the last thing to really notice, uh, one other thing, maybe not the last thing, but a really important thing to notice is their sleep patterns. Are they sleeping more or less? Um, And either of those can be a problem. So the main thing to do is to notice how your child, your teen seems. Uh, Are they waking up tired or irritable, or or just not who you remember them being. If you see that, always think sleep. You know, sleep really is one of our basic physiological needs. I talk about the core four here on the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast. Right, our fourth basic physiological need is food. Then our third one is really uh, water for hydration. The second one is sleep. The only thing that surpasses sleep is breathing, right? Because we have mere minutes to survive um, without without air. Um, so that brings us to an important point. When you are thinking about sleep and your teen, look first at what we call sleep hygiene, which we'll get into in a minute in terms of a few strategies. But also think about this idea of counterfeit sleep because, um, you know, it's it's like Dr. Steve said before, it really is in in most instances a breathing-based problem that is disrupting our sleep. Um, So, you know, if you get the sleep hygiene in place and your teen is still not the person you remember, then look into counterfeit sleep. My uh, book is called, uh, Is It Bad If My Child Keeps Her Mouth Open? It will help you. It will, uh, you'll learn how to help your child, including DIY strategies and easy to use assessments that tell you when professional help is needed and who can best help your child. So it's an excellent resource for you when you're concerned about uh, counterfeit sleep and your child. And remember what we said, you know, uh, anecdotally, 90% of kids are dealing with, um, you know, dealing with counterfeit sleep. So it's an important thing to really keep in mind. So after you build that awareness um, of, you know, what, um, how your child is doing and, and how their habits are changing and whether it may be related to a sleep problem. If you do notice uh, that sleep is a factor, then it's time to act. And there are really three things to do. The first thing is to make sleep a priority. And that means within the family. Um, and there's one special circumstance for, for teens. And it's this idea that, you know, teens have different circadian rhythms than they did as young kids and that they will have as adults. So really honor that and let them sleep in the way that they sleep best. Let's hear again from Dr. Steve on this idea. Imagine what it's like in a family to have a child whose, you know, daily rhythms, you know, bedtime and school time match better their natural circadian rhythms and everybody knows it so instead of having the social fights of you know it's bedtime go to bed don't stay on your phone imagine if everybody knows what's supposed to be happening and so it just becomes the norm 
the less emotional baggage that that requires and less uh, you know conflict. And that's got to be healthier for the whole family as well. So the second thing to do is to really establish good sleep hygiene practices. And there's plenty written about that, in particular for teens. Uh, So what I'm going to focus on here is just this idea of screens and um, how to manage the uh, ubiquitous nature of screens in our lives. The first thing is, um, you know, do more outside during the day. Uh, Get out, leave the phone in the house if you can, unless you absolutely need to be connected and really encourage your kids to do the same thing. So you just really get the break from the screen. Um, The second thing is to then go ahead and find some screen-free activities that um, that you both enjoy, that you can do together. You know, not only does that combat the, the social isolation that so many teens are dealing with, but it, it gives you something enjoyable together. I mean, if nothing else, get a cookbook and cook something new together um, because that's a great way to, that's a great screen-free activity. Um, and then the third point about screens is just to set a phone's off time, you know, whatever time of day it's going to be where, where you turn off the phone. And I would encourage you that when you turn off the phones, that you leave them out of the bedroom as well. And I don't just mean for the teens there, I mean for, for the whole family. Uh, it'll make it easier for the teens to uh, understand that that's how you're going to do it, but it's actually better for everybody in terms of, of getting uh, better sleep, which is necessary now. We need to keep our immune systems as healthy as possible, and healthy sleep is uh, really like a, a fundamental part of, of that healthy immune system. And then the last thing in terms of actions, uh, you know, to go beyond screens, I just want to mention to you that the, or talk about the LED lights, in particular, those strip lights that are now so popular, Um, you know, the ones that just have like an adhesive tape, and you can put them around the corner of your, um, the corners of your room, and they, they look great, but they're really um, you know, they're really a problem in a lot of ways, but, but for sleep as well, because LEDs, uh, LED lights produce short wave, high energy blue light. And, you know, it has been linked to sleep disturbances. And, and while there is um, some research now to say that maybe the effects on sleep aren't as great as we thought they were, there still is this. It, it, um, there are still biological effects um, beyond the sleep disturbances. Uh, LED lights are associated with what they call blue light hazard, and it's basically um, the intensity of the light source can damage the retina. And the retina, it's the part of the eye that changes light Um, into the impulses that become the images we see. So it's really, really essential. And uh, so just think about that. If your child or your teen does uh, have the LED strip lights in their room, like so many do these days, um, I would just say use caution on that until we, you know, we get the final answer from the research uh, on whether it disrupts sleep. And uh, also, you know, uh, it'll help keep your child's uh, eyesight uh, healthier. 
So bottom line, give some attention to those LED lights. Consider when it's time to shut off those um, phones that you also turn off the LED lights and switch over to a a non-LED light in the bedroom. And so those would be the three actions um, to help your child get better sleep. And again, the bottom line is this idea of looking to establish good sleep hygiene to make sure your teen getting enough sleep. And if you do not see the, you know, the positive changes that you would expect from that, then consider whether your child may be getting counterfeit sleep. And, um, and as I said, my, the book I have is a great resource for uh, parents figuring out what they should do to help their child. So the bottom line is this, we know that uh, teens are struggling with mental health, suicide rates are way up. And this is, uh, you know, Suicide Prevention Month. So let's look to support our kids to build our awareness of what um, behaviors they're showing so we can see if, if they need support. And then also to act to really recognize the role that sleep plays in mental health, in good mental health, and um, really, you know, therefore make sleep a priority, develop good sleep hygiene practices, especially around using screens, and just really be careful about LED lights in general. And if you get those in place, and you still don't see the changes in your child that you would expect or that you would hope for, then consider whether counterfeit sleep is a problem your teen is dealing with and take action. A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R sleep.com. That ends this episode of the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question, is your sleep making you tired? Follow us to get the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you take your counterfeit sleep journey. And leave us a review to help other people find us. Thank you. And remember, if your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.